So do you think the Bakash who first encountered the concept of networking would believe what the Bakash of today is working on? Uh, no way. Uh, absolutely not. It, the fascinating thing about looking back, you know, 15, 20 years is that the scale of change is just astounding. It's not one where you are anywhere close to the saturation point of the S-curve. This is Where the Internet Lives, a show about the unseen world of data centers and the people who keep them running. I'm Stephanie Wong, and I'm your guide through the physical spaces that make up the internet. This season, we're exploring those spaces alongside the folks who actually design, build, and operate them. People like Bakash Kohli. Bakash is the vice president and head of Google Global Networking. He oversees the team that connects users and customers to Google's applications, servers, and data centers all over the world. So if you today used Google Search or Gmail, or you use Google Map to navigate to wherever you are currently, or Google Cloud for your enterprise need, chances are that you use the network that this team builds globally. The individual servers stacked high inside data centers are very powerful. But without a way of linking them together, they aren't much use to anyone. Well, if you don't have network, they are a wonderful heat source and really nothing else because you actually cannot connect to them. In season one, we explored the switches, fiber raceways, underground cables, and software control systems that make up this global network. Bikash describes this collection of infrastructure as a nervous system. Data centers are the brain, each machine is a neuron, and every search query or piece of media is a signal. The brain does all of the processing, then sends information back as signal, which is the reaction to the input that you got, which could be the search result or the YouTube video that you watch or the route guidance that you get on Google Map. And it gets back to you using this network from the brain that are, that are Google data centers. Bakash and his team of engineers around the world design, build, and maintain this nervous system. It runs all over the map, from Story County, Nevada, to Singapore, to Council Bluffs, Iowa, to Kilikura, Chile. Bakash grew up in Calcutta, India in the 1970s, a place and time far away from the global computing network he runs today. It was a small city, lots of trees, uh, mango trees in my backyard, a uh, lot of mangoes during monsoon. I still remember collecting them. That's my favorite fruit. I think I should visit. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's the best fruit ever. He didn't grow up with a lot of technology. His family only had a radio in the house until they got a TV in high school. But he didn't need anything more than that to imagine a wider world. Bakash's father was a genetics professor and often told him stories about science and history. The fondest memories that I have of growing up are evening when dad would tell me about things that are not in my textbook at all but were super interesting. And he would tell me about, you know, Watson and Craig and DNA and double helix and so on, you know, at a pretty young age. And it's not that I understood all of it, but it opened me up to a world that was beyond where I was growing up or what I was doing at that time. I was still pretty young. It made me curious. In high school, Bakash used a computer for the first time. He immediately saw the potential beyond the screen. The very early memories that I have are this whole idea of very complex problems that are impossible to solve in the standard ways, which would be, you know, maths, right? You know, writing formula and solving equations, which would basically be impossible in many cases, were solvable because there is this magical 
instrument called computer where you can do billions of calculations that are practically impossible to do in, in any other way. That was eye-opening. That early attraction to computers brought him to the Indian Institute of Technology, or IIT, where he studied electronics and communications engineering. That was how Bikash got exposed to the idea of a global computing nervous system. So that was the first time you started to see the network with a backbone. But can you pinpoint a time where you really, really first encountered this concept of a network? Yes, I actually can. In engineering school, in the final two years, we were required to write a thesis uh, paper. And the professor that I was doing this thesis with, he was the first to actually explain to me what a network really means and what it can do and, and why it is important. And the whole concept of connecting everything that was fascinating because we're talking about a time when in India, there was no cell phone. Telephone was a rare commodity. Most homes did not have telephone. There were a few homes that had it. And you try and imagine a world which is almost like science fiction where everything is connected, which, you know, I try to explain this to my son and he doesn't quite understand what that even looks like, where things were not connected with each other. But that was a time where actually very few things were connected. And the fact that you can connect everything and the fact that there are these layers of technology that are needed for that to happen, uh, that was super fascinating. After IIT, Bakash attended graduate school at the University of Maryland. There, a professor showed him an even faster way of transferring data using high-powered lasers, literally moving information at the speed of light. You know, growing up with no internet in a engineering school with a couple of kilobits per second of connectivity, which was pretty awesome, by the way, in those days. <laughs> Two gigabit is possible and tens of gigabit is possible. Um, that was another, you know, I would say life-changing experience. And, and a lot of these things are always luck and time. And I would say it was the timing of when I got exposed to network and the luck of how I got exposed to network. That played an absolutely crucial role in my you know, ongoing interest. I'm still learning in how networks are and what, what they can be. After getting his PhD in electrical and computer engineering, Bakash worked for a large optical networking company for a few years. And then in 2004, he co-founded QStream Network, an early video on-demand delivery network. The idea was to create a platform for cable companies and other telecoms to offer on-demand streaming. They raised money. They had a lot of interest but they were limited by the speed of broadband network consumers had at home in those days. And I remember seeing a demo that was done by one of, uh, one of my co-founders of what is possible with video if you just have the right network. But network was just not ready for, for doing video delivery in those days. The home internet connections were not fat enough for the consumers to actually consume video in a reliable way from their home. While QStream struggled with network challenges, something else big happened in the world of online video. Google acquired YouTube. And in 2007, Bakash heard from a Google recruiter. They needed a network architect. And if you rewind back in 2007, Google was absolutely known as the search engine. It, it was already established at the time. But nobody outside really knew why Google needed a network. 
and how big it is. You know, of course, everybody imagined there are data centers, but there weren't that much information actually uh, about Google out there. There weren't that many papers that are published. So very intriguing why Google would try to hire somebody like me. And I knew this is a great team shaping up, but it was still a big gamble because I actually did not know why Google would hire someone like me. And, and again, you know, in, the, in those days in interviews, interviewers are super tight-lipped about what the actual job is. Intrigued, Bukash took the job. Video was transforming Google's content delivery platform, and it was also supercharging the company's networking needs. And all of a sudden, we needed a, needed a real network, and needed a real global network. Not that we, we did not have a network, we had one. Definitely not the scale that was needed for YouTube. Uh, since then, I had the front row seat in a build-out of a network that is quite uh, likely one of the largest IP network in the world and has scaled tremendously over many, many, many years. So it has been a fascinating journey from that point onwards. Wow. So YouTube changed the game for how we build our network. Uh, it definitely has. Um, the main goal of the network pre-YouTube was to actually ensure that we reduce latency for Google applications, not so much a large capacity, even though it was in a reasonably large capacity, but it was not the largest capacity network in the world. And the capacity of the network itself, I was actually just looking up before this, it has grown by about 1,000 times wow. from where it was. Uh, that's kind of the scale that has changed. Can you describe your day-to-day and what it means to be an architect of a network? Yeah, my, my days are typically spread between deciding on what needs to happen for the next, you know, six months for the network. And it's really ensuring that things are happening as they, as they need to happen. And then really spending time on figuring out the network that we need, you know, three years, five years out and the strategy that we need to get there. And it is a combination of always uh, people, process, and technology. So in, in, in some ways, you know, I, I split my days are the here and now, the learnings from what has happened, and then how do we apply those learnings to the future that we're building for. Sometimes that future plays out in unexpected ways. Bakash spent nearly a decade architecting Google's connections between data centers to handle a massive surge in global traffic. In 2017, he left the company to serve as chief technology officer for another large public networking company. In early 2020, he returned to Google. And then the COVID pandemic hit. Traffic surged all over the world. It was a test of the network's resilience. Meet traffic in the first six months grew by something like 30x, which is massive for video traffic, right? Uh, And it was not growing at the same place all the time. It was actually growing depending on how bad the pandemic was in which part of the world. And we would overlay the network demand with the COVID peak, and it actually followed where the COVID peak went in the, in the world. Like when it was in Italy, the peak was in Italy. When it was in India, the peak was in India. This underlines how important it is to be proactive in designing reliable systems. So I'm curious, how were we able to maintain our ability to keep up with that sudden surge? Yeah, so there are a couple of things that we did as design, as core practice to building our network that helped. First of all, all of the submarine cable systems that we that we built over the last decade came in tremendously handy. Like if you look at network demand that we saw in South America or South Africa or India, we would not be able to handle them 
the way that we did, which was essentially, you know, mostly business as, as usual. Like, you know, we were able to just turn up new capacity because it was our submarine system. So it was not that difficult to turn up capacity. You know, there, there were all the challenges of physical access to the pops and so on and so forth. But we're not scrambling to find new networks. I mean, the networks were there. So that was one. Two, uh, the years of investment in software-defined networking really came handy because a lot of these things, we're able to do it with automation and software. We did not need people to fly to someplace and go and do things. Like we're really able to leverage just remote operations for turning up new capacity in matter of minutes and days. Um, and then the third bit, you know, it's it, it again comes down to the amount of simulation that we do to to prepare for different kinds of failures, like you know, earthquake, tsunami, you know, you name it, right? And that almost always means that we have redundant capacity and redundant network and the control on the traffic in the way that, that it flows through the network, that we can leverage those additional capacity when needed. The network architects on Bakash's team aren't just drawing up theoretical plans. They're mapping out the connections needed to keep the internet humming. And in times of crisis, like a pandemic or a natural disaster, people rely on those connections to be stable. And if they're stable, they're invisible, which is exactly what Bakash wants. You know, the most important things in life are actually invisible. It's air, it's running water, it's electricity. Yeah. Uh, it's internet, increasingly. You don't think of it till you don't have it and you need it. And, and you know, that's what we do. We actually, you know, we... we if it is invisible, we're doing our job. So when you consider the stakes of your job, what do you take the most pride in? You know, something like the pandemic has made it clearer than ever before how important uh, our network is to everybody in the world. Uh, each one of us in our team played a small role in making connectivity and access to information better for everybody in the world. So. What we get to work on, what we do every single day, it's so much bigger than what each one of us are individually. And what better place to do it than in Google? So I'm, I'm very proud of uh, the team and what they, what they really do for the internet as a whole. Bikash Kohli is the vice president and head of global networking for Google. If you want to learn about building your career at a data center, click through the link in the show notes. Where the Internet Lives is produced by Postscript Media in collaboration with Google. You can subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you access your shows. And please give us a rating if you like the series. I'm Stephanie Wong. Thank you for listening. Listener.